0: How are you today? There should be like, you know when you go to SeaWorld and Shamu is uh, flopping all over the pool and they say in the first few rows, like you should just uh, maybe not sit there if you don't wanna get wet. Whenever I preach from the floor, I'm always like, I wish those people in the first few rows would have known, because sometimes I spit when I preach. So I just wanna say in advance, I'm sorry, and just consider that the love of Jesus, all right? Um, And thanks for sitting up front. As you can see, the first row is always open in church. So, if you ever had to like retake something or relearn something this week, um, we were talking as a staff. It was uh, just uh, Tyler and Andrew and I, we were sitting around, we were having lunch, and we were just kind of talking about our past and for whatever reason, we started talking about our driver's test. and so uh, Andrew shared with us that he passed his written exam on the first try, way to go, Pastor Andrew, but on his first uh, time with his driver's test, uh, he failed within the first ten seconds because he went through a stop sign, and then he proceeded to say. That's how my mom taught me to drive. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. VanCott. Like, he threw you right under the bus. That was the story. That's how my mom taught me to drive, just to go right through the stop signs. Um, I'm not sure that's true. And then Pastor Tyler was saying that he passed his road test on the first time, but he failed his written exam a lot of times. And, um, and he got it, you know, the fourth time's a charm. And so we were just kinda talking about having to retake things. And then for me, um, I passed my written exam the first time and my driver's test, and that's why I'm the lead pastor here. And so, and so, and I have no pride about that. And you're like, wait a minute, I did the same thing. Can I be the pastor here? Why don't you pray about that? You know, you never know. Um, So anyway, uh, sometimes we just have to relearn things. And so we've been in Ephesians for um, six months. Some of you are like, yeah, we know, we get it. You've been taking your sweet time through Ephesians. And if you go back and listen to the podcast from the first week of Ephesians, I say, we're going to take as long as we needed. Turns out we needed six months to get through Ephesians. And so today is going to be a recap of the book of Ephesians, okay? So I'm gonna recap pretty much the whole book, and you're like, how long is that gonna take, Joe, since it took six months to cover that? I'm like, only till like four o'clock this afternoon, so settle in, pizzas are gonna get delivered, we'll take a break, and if you're new, you're like, please, no, this seems like bait and switch. No, Uh, it's gonna be about 30 minutes, we're gonna recap the book, and uh, we're gonna relearn Ephesians together. Paul, in the last few verses of Ephesians, covers these three themes, Peace, love, and grace. Peace, love, and grace. But before he talks about peace, love, and grace, he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. He says, Tychicus, which is a great name for a baby. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. So we learn here that the Apostle Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians, gave it to Tychicus, and said, Tychicus, I want you to carry this letter to the city of Ephesus. And you read a passage like this, and you're like, yeah, what are we going to learn from there? And I just want to point out to us, before we move on, there's something very beautiful in these verses, and it's just this. The guy carrying the letter was called a faithful servant of Jesus. You know, sometimes we are impressed by talent and unimpressed by faithfulness. But in God's kingdom, what is impressive to God and what should be impressive to the people of God is not someone's gifting. It should be our talent. Or Excuse me, it should be our faithfulness. God is able to build His church through faithful people. And as I look across this room, and when I look at your faces, and I think about some of you who have been just choice servants of Jesus in this church, and for some who are just joining us who will be, I think about how God is building Spring Valley Community Church through faithful servants. God is not impressed by how talented we are. God is impressed by faithfulness. And I want you to know that the longer I pastor, and the more I get the privilege of being your pastor, the more I am humbled by the simple fact that what God is using to build His church are not primarily gifts. It's faithfulness. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. This whole message is going to be encouraging. The first encouragement I want you to just hear from the heart of God this morning is that you can be the mailman and still be a faithful servant of God. There is absolutely no need for you to feel like you don't have anything to offer the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to feel like you don't measure up. You don't need to feel like you don't have what it takes because you don't have a gift that appears on a stage. We love the people who are on the stage. We're grateful for their gifts but they're not the only ones who God is using. It's often the unseen ministry. It's often showing up on a Saturday morning to set up for kids camp. That's what makes the church go forward. Yes, the preaching of God's word is wildly important. But so is the people of God involved in the details of the church. Thank you to so many of you who are just faithful servants. And even though you feel like you don't have a lot of skills or much to offer, God is building his church through you. So this is how Paul closes the book. Verse 23. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So notice here that the peace that Paul wants us to experience and the love that is always accompanied by faith, and that word faith is probably more likely faithfulness. Who does it come from? Does the peace come from you? Does the love come from you? Does the faithfulness come from you? No. These are gifts of God in your life. The grace is from Jesus for those who love him. So we're going to talk about these three themes and look back at the book of Ephesians. Here's the first thing we learn about peace in Ephesians. Peace with God leads to peace with his people. Peace with God leads to peace with his people. Paul is talking to the Ephesians who are predominantly Gentile and he is reminding them that at one time they were excluded from the people of God, the Israelites. And here's what he says in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two, who are the two, Jews and Gentiles, one, To you who were far away, and peace to those who are near. Talking there about Israel, for through him we both, Jews, Gentiles, Pennsylvanians, Africans, both have access to the Father by one Spirit. The peace we have with God is because Jesus Christ died for us. We were once far away, but through the blood of Jesus, we have brought, been brought into the family of God. And you know what God's family is defined by? Peaceful relationship with him. Peace with God is possible in your life today only through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you have peace with God, do you know what always follows? Peace with his people. Peace with one another. The death of Jesus Christ has put to death our hostility with God and our hostility with one another in the church of Christ. Do you know that the church of Jesus Christ, it is the platform for the watching world to see what unity looks like See, in himself, God has created a new race defined by Christ. And it is a race of men and women who are from all different backgrounds and nationalities and skin colors. And we gather in the church of Jesus Christ and we love one another through our differences. Do you know that in the church, the world can see that peace is possible? But here's the thing. If we have peace with God... It's because the Holy Spirit has given it to us, and we have to preserve the peace in the church. See, the Holy Spirit gives the peace, and our job is to maintain the peace. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that one? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. And remember that message. I'm sure you do. We said put up with one another. You're like, what? I usually just run away from hard people. Put up with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So catch what Paul wants us to learn about peace through Ephesians. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have peace with one another through the death of Jesus Christ, and we have become one in Him. Therefore, because we have peace with God, and because we are called to have peace with one another, we need to relate to one another in such a way that we promote peace in our relationships through what? Humility, gentleness, and putting up with each other. You're looking for a perfect church? You're running away from your church that you didn't like because the people were there? Welcome to Spring Valley Community Church. The people are here too. (laughs) Running away when you're offended from a church reveals a gospel deficiency in your heart. Now listen, sometimes it's too painful to stay, I understand that. Sometimes something so wrong has happened, it's just best for parties to go their separate ways. But you know sometimes people just cut bait and run from the church because they had a bad day or someone was rude to them. You know what you're supposed to do? Work it out like grownups. Unity, peace, that's what God is calling us to. Here's the second thing we need to do. Love from God leads to love for his people. Love from God leads to love for his people. So here's how Paul started Ephesians Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not with $54 million jets, but with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly realms. Your plane can't get you there. And then listen to what he said. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, Okay, think about this. For he chose us in him before the world was created. God loved you before the world was created. And he chose you for what? To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined you. Oh, does that mean we're Calvinists? No, it just means we're trying to wrestle with these words. What does it mean that God predestined us? Does it mean we don't have free will? Not entirely, but there's something here where you just have to wrestle with that God loved you before you loved him. And we don't have to get all weird theologically about that. It's just true. He put his hand on your life before you even wanted him. In love he predestined us to what? To be adopted as his sons, firstborn sons, can apply to both men and women through Jesus Christ In what? Accordance with his pleasure and will. What is Paul saying? That before the world began, God set his affections on you, and it was his good pleasure. It brought him joy. What brings you joy? What brings you pleasure? A great meal. Delighting in your children. A beautiful sunset. A much-needed vacation. What brings you pleasure? Do you know what brings God pleasure? predestining, excuse me, predestining you into his family. God finds pleasure in the fact that you are his. And some of you look bored by that and you're like, okay. Because you're not alive to the fact of how much Jesus loves you. God loves you. There's some families in our church who are in the process of adoption. And I was thinking about them this week. Um, Some of you have adopted kids. And some of you are looking to adopt kids. And I was thinking about you this week when I read this verse. Because in the adoption process, you know that the child on the other end isn't doing any of the work, right? To get adopted. It's your initiative. It's your money. It's your time. And it's your desire to welcome the child into your family when you adopt a baby. This is how God welcomes us. He is doing it at his cost and his initiative. The Christian experience starts with God choosing to love you, and we only love him back because he loved us first. And the love of God is so important to Paul, he prays this in Ephesians 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, Spring Valley Community Church, that we would have the kind of Holy Spirit power with all the saints to grasp, to hold on to, to lay hold of, to hang on for dear life to, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, do you know that the love of God for you is as wide as the whole world? God loves people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He loves people at the U.S. border, and he loves people in Uzbekistan. He loves people in Canada, and he loves people in Royersford. He loves people in Australia, Australia. And he loves people in North Korea. His love is wide. But it is also a long kind of love. Because this is a love that has been lasting before the world began. His love is so long that it preceded your birth and will go on to eternity future. And his love is high for you. Because you have been raised up once you were dead in your sin. Now you have been raised up with Christ in the heavenly realms and he loves you and he has chosen you for all eternity to shower you with the riches of his grace and God's love is deep because it goes deeper than our deepest sin all the ways that we have failed him all the ways that we have been ashamed of our actions all the things we have done and said and thought the way that we have mistreated people, the way that we haven't loved well, the way that we have absolutely let God down, his love is deeper than that. Isn't that amazing that the deep love of God goes deeper than your deepest sin? Oh, God's love for us is comprehensive. And because of that, we have to love one another. We have to love one another. Like, if you celebrate the love of God, you must love his people. And not just his people. You have to love everyone you come in contact with. Jesus taught us that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. And there is no limit to who our neighbor is. But in Ephesians, Paul is saying in a unique way in the church, you need to love one another. Here's what he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other Paul is assuming that in the church we're gonna to have to learn to forgive each other in this room be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you that's always the motivation to forgive some of you are saying there is someone in my life I will never forgive I will hang on to that bitterness And Paul says, I'm not trying to minimize your pain, but the motivation for forgiveness is always how you've been forgiven. And then Paul says these words, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you want to know the test to discover if you grasp the love of God? Here's the test. Do you really believe that God loves you? Here's how you know. Are you growing in your love for others? Are you growing in your love for others? Are you growing in love for your worst enemy? Are you growing in love for the person you hope doesn't walk into the room, are you growing in love for the person that you see and you walk the other way? Now listen, sometimes really clear boundaries are really important, especially when there's abuse involved. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But for most of us, that's not the issue. It's just good old-fashioned wanting to stay and hang on to our hurts, right? Just do this. You're, yep, I know that about you because I know that about me. Do you know that sometimes, I'll just uh, tell on myself for a moment here, sometimes my wife and I will be talking about something that has happened in the past that I was hurt over, and all of a sudden I go from being tranquil and calm and everything's going well and having a good day, and that name comes up, and there's a little bit more energy there. And you know what I know in that moment? I'm still hanging on to bitterness. Who are those names in your life? Could it be that we're hanging on to bitterness and unforgiveness because we're failing to grasp how deeply we have been loved by Christ? Not saying we're not hurt. I'm not saying that you should allow someone back into your life and act like nothing happened. I am saying that you should let go of bitterness. Because that is what God has done. It's really hard to get around the scripture be imitators of God. What? How should we love like God does? How are you loving? Like you in your flesh or like God does? liberally, and without condition. Love from God leads to love for others. Here's the last thing. Grace from God leads to love for God. You're like, wait, that wasn't the order we were talking about. It should be, Joe. Grace from God leads to grace for others. Nope, that's not what Paul says. Grace from God leads to love for God. Let me read you, I think, my favorite passage in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. One of the best texts on grace in the whole Bible. This is the story of our lives if we know Jesus. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. Keep in mind, Paul is talking to the church. As for you, he's talking to people who have found Jesus As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God not by works. There is no boasting. The story of every human being is that they are spiritually dead. Every human being black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Rich, poor, tall, short, and everyone in between, the young and the old, we are spiritually dead, destined for eternity apart from God under the weight of God's wrath until the grace of God breaks into our lives. It is God's grace that has saved you you have not worked for anything. You have not earned anything from God. You have simply been showered with his grace, and the kindness of his grace is most clearly seen in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. Your story is a story of grace. So last night it was about 9:30. I was praying and I was getting ready for our time together and I was reading out of John 11. And many of us may know the story of John 11. It's the story of Lazarus. Raz, Lazarus, I know how to say that. And Lazarus died. Lazarus died. He was one of Jesus' best friends. And Jesus had heard that he had died, but he waited two days before he went to see his dead friend. And Jesus says something crazy like, oh, Lazarus, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. I'm going to go and wake him up. But first, I'm going to hang out where I am for two days. And so Jesus finally makes the trip to Bethany. And he walks into the town of Bethany, and he's greeted by Martha, Lazarus' sister. And Martha says what we all would have said. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not be dead. Mary, Martha's sister, ends up saying the same thing to him. Jesus stands at the tomb of Lazarus and he begins to weep. He begins to weep as he sees the weight of human grief. Jesus weeps because he knows what it's like to lose a friend. And Jesus says, as he's standing at the tomb of Lazarus, roll the stone away. And Martha pipes up, or it might be Mary, don't quote me on that. One of the sisters pipes up, Jesus, he's been in the tomb for four days. There's going to be a great odor. Jesus, don't open up that rock. It's going to stink up in here. doesn't matter. The the rock is rolled away. Jesus calls into the tomb, Lazarus, come out! And out of the tomb, with the strips of linen he was buried in hanging from his body, just imagine how disheveled he looks. Lazarus saunters out of the grave and then Jesus says these words, take off the grave clothes. Your life before Christ stunk. You had been living a sin-stained life and you smelled The smell on you was the smell of death. And when Jesus shows up, and he calls in to the deadness of your heart, wake up! You rose. And he commands you, take off the grave clothes. You are no longer living by death and sin, you are now one who will rise forever. That is the story of our lives. Wake up. We were dead and now we live. That is the grace of God. So, what do people do who have received grace? Hear the last words of Ephesians. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Don't you love that verse? Now, it's not saying that if you love Jesus and you, or if you love God more, you get more grace. That's not at all what it's saying. It's saying that grace has been given and the response to the grace given is an undying love for the Lord Jesus Christ. People like you and I who are not only in profound need of grace, but who have received that grace, we are called to love Jesus throughout our whole lives with a love that does not die. That's the story. That's how Paul ends Ephesians. Church, your lives are a story of grace. Spend the rest of your life loving Jesus. It's not that complicated, is it? It's not hard to understand. It's not like mysterious, like, oh, I can't figure out what the Bible means. Your story is a story of grace. Let's spend the rest of it loving Jesus Christ. That's God's calling on our lives today. So, here are three questions that I believe really help us to know and understand if we've internalized Ephesians or we just heard the messages. And of course, I'm not saying, are you doing these things perfectly? But here are three questions that I think every person in this room needs to answer as we've been going through Ephesians. And even if, even if this is your first Sunday and you're like, I wasn't here, am I off the hook? Nope, because you just heard about Ephesians. <laughs> you're welcome. Here is the three questions to know if you're just listening to God's word, and then heading to lunch, or if God's word is becoming a part of your life. Question number one, are you a person of peace? Are you a person of peace? Just think about that. Think about how you talk about people when they're not around. Think about the words that come out of your mouth. Think about if you try to stir up trouble. Think about if When you hear something bad about someone, you don't rejoice in it, but you just kind of keep it to yourself. And if it's something that's offensive, you go and talk to that person directly. People of peace are not people who think that there'll never be relational fractures. People of peace are those who are working for restoration and reconciliation in their relationships because this is what God has done with us. So are you a person of peace? Number two, Are you growing in love? Are you growing in love? Do you love other people? And do you love Jesus more today than you did in January? And number three, do you love Jesus more each day? Do you love Jesus more each day? Is your love for Jesus undying? Or is it fickle based on the season of your life? Do you love Jesus with an undying love? This is Ephesians. Peace with God leads to peace with others, love from God leads to love for others. Grace is the story of our lives and our response is a lifelong love for Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, this morning I have in mind those people who are here who aren't following you. And Lord, I just lift them up to you and I pray that if there's interest in their hearts saying that they need to follow Jesus, that they wanna become a Christian, that they know that they need grace, they need peace with God, and they need to live in this place called the love of God. I pray that you would reach out to them even now and they would know that in their seat in this very moment, they can respond in faith and simply say to you, Jesus, come in. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you all that I am. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And I want to follow you. And I want to learn and grow in loving you with an undying love. My life is yours. And Lord, for those of us, we've been following you. We would call ourselves your people. Lord, I pray over us that as we finish this journey through the letter of Ephesians, that it would bear fruit in this church, the fruit of peace with you and with each other the fruit of love for you and love for one another. Lord, we're not just a friendly church because we shake hands at greeting time. Lord, the love that you call us to is humble and gentle and forgiving and sacrificial. Help us to love each other in the hard ways. And Lord, I pray at Spring Valley Community Church for our whole existence when we become Connection Church in the fall. I pray that we would always know all is grace. We have not earned anything from you. You are a gracious God. Let us worship you, follow you, and love you. Help us when our hearts get cold. Help us to return to these truths. Fan into flame in every heart in this room a love for Christ that moves beyond emotion and sentimentalism and into action and depth. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.